Has anybody got something they love? I'm not going to ask you what it is. Yeah, Verity's got her hands up. Good girl, Verity. Well and yeah, has anybody else got something they love? Okay, good. Everybody's hands are going up. We all love somebody or something. Yeah. I, I, I like chocolate. Who else likes chocolate? Oh, lots of hands going up. Who doesn't like chocolate? There are some people. Oh, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Now, if I ask you to bring your favourite thing and give it away, if I ask you to bring your favourite thing and give it away, what feelings would you have? Oh, oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh, would you want to? Not really. So... I want to tell you a bit of a story about something I gave away. Most of you know that I love singing. You can tell I love singing. When I was at university many, many, many years ago, my degree was in geology and music. And so I learned to sing, and I, I spent lots of time singing. I used to sing every day. I used to sing in choirs. I used to sing in church. And I guess I felt God say to me something very simple. He said, which is more important to you, Dave? Me or the music? Me or the music? And you, I, I need to tell you a little bit before I was asked this question to explain why this is so significant. I've been to Southampton. We were in a church in Southampton. Matt Redman had come down. He was leading a group of people. There was about 100 worship leaders in the church that morning. And he specifically emailed everybody and said, please turn up with your guitars or a drum or something that you can play. So he got a room full of people who were ready to worship. They'd all come with their instruments. They were all tuning up their guitars. Some people had brought some portable keyboards. Some people had brought drums. Some people had brought flutes. I think there was even a violin there. And so he said, okay, before we start, can everybody get their instruments out? In a moment, we're going to worship. The words came up on the screen. Matt Rebben stood up and he said, okay, everybody, let's stand. Are we ready to worship? And everybody went, yes, we're ready to worship. He said, now I'd like you to put your instruments down. And you could see people looking at him strange and they'd be taking their guitars off and putting them down. And some people switched their keyboards off and other people put down their drums. He said, now we're going to worship. And you could see all these worship leaders who were going, but my guitar's on the floor. And Matt very clearly said, we've got to worship God first, as we are. You know, these other things can get in the way. They can get in the way if we're not careful. And God asked me this question the same week. He said, Dave, which is more important, music or worshipping me? And you know, I'll be honest with you, I really struggle with that one. I really struggle because I like singing. I and you know, sometimes to worship without words, how do you do that? To worship without music in front of you, how do you do that? To worship without an instrument, how do you do that? Do you know one of the most amazing moments of worship I've ever seen is a young person at youth camp, and this is many years ago now, 
and the floor was empty. There were people sitting around the edge and they started worshipping. And this young man just went out and stood there and he just went like this. And he stood there with his arms like this for nearly three or four minutes. And he was just worshipping his God. That's worship because it was from his heart. It was from his heart. It wasn't because somebody said, let's worship. It was just what he wanted to do. And so when God challenged me, which is more important, music or worship? What did I choose? I said, okay, God, I'm going to lay down my music for a while. I'm going to worship you. Now, I want you to know just quite how significant this was. Because remember, I sang every day. I sang in God. I wasn't just talking about stopping singing. I was talking about stopping singing of any kind. Just for a season. As long as God said it wanted me to. I, I stopped singing choirs for a while. And I, I spent my time praying. I would sing when there were, but when I felt I wanted to sing, when I wanted to worship, not because. And so I came to the end of this season, and it relates to this song that we're going to sing in a moment, or we're going to see in a moment. I got a phone call from a choir I used to sing in. I used to go to university in Bath, that's where I met Julia, my wife. And I used to sing in a choir down there. And I got a phone call from Nigel, who was the conductor of this choir. By now, we were living up in London, uh, in, in, in uh, Maidenhead. And I got a phone call saying, Dave, would you come and sing in a concert? I said, yeah, I'd love to sing in a concert. I felt I had permission to sing in this concert. Didn't really know what I was saying yes to. So I turned up, and the, and, and the choir rehearsing, and Nigel said to me, Dave, look, hit, we'll send you the music. You can practice. And instead of going to the choir practice in Bath, you can just turn up on Monday night and Tuesday night, the concert's on Thursday. So I was going to go to a rehearsal on Monday with the choir, rehearsal on Tuesday with the conductor, rehearsal on Wednesday with the orchestra, rehearsal on Thursday afternoon on the stage, and then rehearse, and the concert was on Thursday evening. So, you know, just a busy week. So I, I drive down on Wednesday night. I actually just come back from America. I drove down Wednesday night, sat down, and we were singing all these wonderful bits of music of which one of them was, It Is Well With My Soul, the hymn. Now, I knew who was singing in this concert, but I didn't really know the history of this concert. This concert was being put on for free in the centre of Bath by a water company. And they built a stage just out... I wish I had the video. I could, can't, can't find it. But uh, built a stage directly outside the Royal Crescent. And the whole of Bath was invited. There were thousands of people going to be in this concert. And so I get to sing these songs, and the conductor's there. And then on Tuesday, I go to the next rehearsal, and the three soloists arrived. And I, honestly, you remember I studied music. I'm sitting there, and I'd given up my, my singing, and then I felt God say it was okay to sing in this concert. And I sit there, and in walks Pavarotti, Jose Carreras, and Presidio Domingo. I, I knew they were singing, but even the moment, even now, for me, this moment is just like, I, I was in this choir, and I was, I was going to sing in this choir, and these three fantastic singers were going to sing with me. And that's what it felt like, because I'd given up my singing, and I, God said it's okay. And so it felt, I mean, although I was singing with them, I don't want to get this the wrong way around, but it felt like for me that they were singing with me. So... so so, so we get to sing all this wonderful operatic stuff, including the, you know, the, you know, 
all the famous stuff that they sing. We've got to sing them. There was a double orchestra on the stage when we got there and these three tenors and 20,000 people sitting in the audience. So this is what happens. Now, this isn't a Christian choir. This is just a choir. So I'm on the stage. I've done all the rehearsals. Thursday night, we're sitting on the stage. And somebody comes on the stage and introduces and welcomes everybody to the concert. It's being videoed, it's being filmed from the sky, there's balloons in the sky and everything. And I'm so excited about singing. And this song, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, have been specially arranged for the three tenors. Okay, so the guy who's introducing the concert comes on stage, introduces, and said, I'd now like you to introduce you to Francis Yeo, who's the person who made this concert happen. There's a round of applause, and I don't know who Francis Yeo is. But he walks on stage, and a little Malaysian man, and he points up to the clouds, and he says, it's a beautiful day today. God's been good to us. Well, that's interesting. He says, and now I'd like to introduce you to some people in the audience today. I'd like to introduce you to um, Colin Dye, my pastor in London. Okay, so he's a Pentecostal pastor in London. And he, he keeps on sharing a bit, and then he starts to explain about this hymn and how he'd had this dream about having this concert. So he puts this concert on, and he, 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 he particularly wants to hear uh, Placido Domingo and Pavarotti sing. So he reached out, and he said to Pavarotti, could you come and sing at this concert? And Pavarotti said yes, but then the other two weren't free. But then they became free, and then this, this concert happened. And so he then played this video, which is actually the story of how this hymn got written. So Simon's going to play it to us now. Sorry, so there's the video, Simon. Horatio Spafford was a well-known lawyer and businessman in Chicago in the 1860s, where he lived with his wife Anna and their five children. He had invested heavily in real estate along the shores of Lake Michigan. He was a prosperous man and a devout Christian. However, in 1870, a series of events began to turn Horatio's world upside down. That year, Horatio and Anna's only son died scarlet fever at the tender age of only four. A year later, while the Spaffords were still grieving the loss of their son, the Great Chicago Fire broke out and destroyed nearly every one of Horatio's investments. His entire life savings was gone. Aware of the toll these disasters had taken on his family, Horatio decided to take his wife and four daughters on a holiday to England, where they planned to accompany the famous evangelist D.L. Moody on his next crusade. However, just before they set sail, a last-minute business development forced Horatio to delay. Not wanting to ruin the family holiday, he persuaded his family to go on as planned. 
he would follow along later. With this decided, Horatio stayed in Chicago, while Anna and the girls boarded the French steamship Ville du Havre to set sail for England. But several days later, Horatio received devastating news. The Ville du Havre had been struck by an iron sailing vessel from England. The ship sank in only 12 minutes, claiming the lives of 226 passengers. It was the worst disaster in naval history until the sinking of the HMS Titanic 40 years later. Next day, he received a telegraph from Anna from Wales. It read these six words Survived alone. What should I do? The Spafford's four daughters were among those who perished. After hearing the terrible news, Horatio boarded the next ship out of New York to join his bereaved wife. During his voyage, the captain of the ship called him to the bridge. A careful reckoning has been made, he said, and I believe we are now passing the very place where the Ville du Havre sank. And it was there while staring into the watery grave of his beloved daughters, that Horatio penned the words to the great hymn, It is well with my soul. Amazing statement. So I'm now sitting on this stage with people around me, and I just sense this is God. This is just a concert, and the guy next to me is not a Christian. Elbows me in the shop, in the ribs and says, "Are we in the Billy Graham Crusade?" And I said, "No, we're not." But this man wanted to put this concert on for free and bless the people of Bath. So I stand to sing, It Is Well With My Soul, with Pavarotti, Placido Domingo, and Jose Carreras, and 200 other people. And honestly, there I am standing with my dicky bow, and my bow tie, and my dinner jacket, and I'm wanting to go like this. Because, you know, I was worshipping God. As I sang this song, just such a precious moment. And then at the end, and I knew nothing about this. I mean, all I knew when we were singing this song, I didn't know any of the story about how this hymn had been written. It's the first time I came across it. 
And then Francis Eo comes back up on the stage and says, and now I'd like to introduce you to the niece of the guy who wrote the hymn. And he then says, you know, it's a great question to ask. How is it with your soul? And now I want to kind of, I don't just want to end the story there because it was a fantastic concert and a fantastic way. But you know what? God has sowed something in my heart with this, with this hymn, which I can only explain in a way like this. So some of you will know Shola and can be dear friends of ours. Now they now live in Bracknell, worship in Bracknell. But Cumbie's dad is not a Christian yet. But he loves classical music. And I got a copy of the music that had been specially written of this hymn with Placido Domingo. And I, I took a copy of it with permission and I sent it to Nigeria. I sent it to Kumbi's dad for his, his 60th birthday, or it might have been 70th birthday, 60th. His, it's really one of his special birthdays. And I just sent him the music and said, I sang in this, I had the privilege to sing this. It is, it is well with your soul. Or it is well with my soul. How is it with yours? And you know, I know that conversation is not finished with Rashid. I know that journey is still happening. But here's my challenge to you this morning, church. How is it with your soul? Whatever signposts you have, whatever pointers on the way, how is it with your soul? And we're going to set a seal on this. And I want to, I want to give you a moment to bring things before God. We're going to play that hymn. Uh, if you want to sing along to it, I can't remember whether the words are going to appear or not. But if you want to join in, that's fine. But would you do some business with God this morning? If you're okay with God, then just use it as a moment of celebration. If there's something that niggles you about, something that niggles you with life, with something, would you bring it before God and say, Lord, I don't understand this, or I'm struggling with this, or, you know, my friend's sick. You know, let's bring everything Let's bring everything before God. Because I want to ask us this morning, even though it's an all-age service, how is it with your soul? And so we're going to play that hymn. I just want to encourage you, if you want to sit, that's fine. If you want to stand, that's fine. But this is a challenge to us all. And for those listening online, how is it with your soul? How is it with us today? Let's use this as a moment where we do something with God. We have a dialogue with God. We listen to God. We speak to God. And let's just see what he will say. So. Oh, God, I 
That's my question this morning. How is it with your soul? Do you know, I sense even as we sat through that hymn, sung that hymn, worshipped with that hymn, some of us sat in silence, but we worshipped. And some of us brought to the cross things we're wrestling with God with. We've been challenged about wrestling with God even this year. Some of us have brought unresolved issues before the cross. Some of us have brought unanswered prayers. Some have brought us unsaved loved ones. Circumstances we can't resolve. Things that we can do nothing about. As an act of worship, as a, 
a moment of prayer. Lord, we bring these things to you. We bring them to the greatest place in all time, in all history, to the foot of the cross. And as this great hymn writer came to that moment, he came to a place where he said, it's okay. It's well with my soul. My Father God, we lift to you all the stuff, all the prayers, all the things, all the troubles, all the celebrations. We brought them to the foot of the cross today. Father, help us to trust you with the things that we can do nothing about. Help us to leave those things at the foot of the cross that belong at the foot of the cross, or even nailed to the cross. For Christ died for our sin, that we might be set free. So Father God, we say thank you. Thank you for sending your Son to die in our place. So we might know liberty and freedom. As he was nailed to the cross, died and rose again. That we can live in the truth and the reality of that freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. I make no, no apology this morning for sharing that testimony. Because it's my testimony. Do you know our testimonies are most important? In Revelation, it, in Revelation chapter 3, it talks about three things. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives unto death. 